golf would be so much more exciting if there was like a defense. Like I get that mother no. Mother Nature's the the defense That's technically. That's the thing is like and Satan is already playing against you. It's like solitaire. You're not playing alone. You've invited the devil into the game. Like Okay. It's like yeah, golf is Jumanji. Everything around you is conspiring to beat you into a senseless pulp. Okay, but what if what if it's like just on the green? The other your opponent's allowed to play defense against you. I uh, feel like but, but they have to that start from be... off the green. So, like, they have to run onto the green and just try to, like, launch themselves or their club uh, at your ball. But greens are beat up enough to begin with. We have to stay on schedule today. Yes, Otherwise, yes, we'll st- never get to the end of everything we want to talk about. Because lots of things happened in the corner of the sports world that we care about. Yes. So. And, and the first thing that happened is... Uh, the train is starting to leave the station. And I am dragging my feet on the platform saying, no, no, God, no, please, no. That Why? train being the Husker Hype Train ah, for 2020. This annoys me so much. ESPN had released their SP plus minus rankings. Strength and performance rankings is what I believe that stands for. What does it mean? I don't exactly know, but we're 22nd in the country. Projected yeah. to be 22nd in the country in this one advanced metric from one guy who works at ESPN. And that's enough to get the ball rolling on. Hey, we might not be that bad this year. Yeah, now to to break down exactly what this metric does, and I'm trying to find the 247 story about it. Yes, I, I know it's developed by can't. Bill Connolly, who is yes. one of the smartest football analysts out there. That man just spends years locked in a cave doing football math. He's written pieces about Conference USA teams' offensive line depth. I mean, this guy knows his stuff. But, Bill, your formula has to have some faults if we're ranked 22nd, okay? Basically, what the formula does is is two key things. One, and this is less significant, it seems to hold that offense is more important than most metrics would say offense is. Mm-hmm. That was a word soup, but you follow me. <laughs> it overrates offense, which helps us because technically in this metric, our offense is good enough to be like 15th in the country. How? I'm pretty sure that that's what I read. Is it, is it just because we return so many yes, players? That is factor two. Basically... We are supposed to be okay. Yeah, I'm. Just... Can't find that story again. Basically, what it says is because we're returning so much experience on both sides of the ball, but particularly on offense, we're gonna click a lot better. And also that the teams around us that are supposed to be gaining, you know, like that would normally gain ground on us, have lost a bunch of talent and yeah. players. Basically, lots of people have people graduate, declare for the draft, etc. The Big Ten had a banner year, and now it's time for the Big Ten to take a step back. And Nebraska is one of the few teams not stepping back, which helps our... Hopefully not stepping back. I'm not making any promises. This is not my opinion at all. I think, honestly, I'm prepared to suck again. Me too. Because... Because a lot of reasons, and because, frankly, for my health, 
I have to be prepared to suck until we don't suck anymore. Because <laughs> I can't do hope in this team anymore. Because that's the kind of thing... This is exactly the kind of thing that gets a coach fired faster. Mm-hmm. Right? Ridiculously high expectations are going to lead to nothing but coaching turnover because we can't figure out what we want to do. And there's been a fair amount of like second-level coaching turnover. Obviously, a new offensive coordinator. Yes. But also, like we hired a special teams analyst. Yes, um, hired him from Auburn. Yes. We're spending a lot of money to shore up, for lack of a better word, what becomes a coach's excuses... When they're on the chopping block, which makes me think that Scott and Bill Moose sat down and said, hey, we got to save face of this year, but then this, this has to be the year it happens now, because if it doesn't, we're running out of ground to run on. We're running out of excuses. And once they hit the end of that runway, <laughs> they either have to be good or they're going to fall off. Yes. So, yeah, just the way the cycle of teams goes, it would make sense for us to creep in there this year until you start to think about uh, until you start to think. (laughs) Yeah, until you start to think like, yeah, we return a lot of players, but are the players we return like that? I don't want to say like they're not good, but how high is their upside realistically? Yes, that's a better way of putting it like. Yeah, we return a lot of players, but we've kind of seen what they can be. Like, like even with this group together, like, six to seven wins is all we can hope for unless we get some breakout stars or have everything fit together in a way we have not seen under Frost before. That, you can't even bank on that happening since we haven't seen it yet. We have not seen the potential that's allegedly out there with these players. So... For us to be even 22nd in that margin, like, <laughs> Man, I, 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 like, I don't get it. I don't get how your formula can have a bunch of players who have just came off of four win and five win seasons and have them in a top 25 in a metric, even if they've still returned, like a big, a big step in improvement would be like six, seven wins. And that's nowhere near top 25 a lot of years. I don't know. It, it ticks me off. It ticks me off because this is, I'm sure, for some media members, and I'm sure for this guy who does this metric, like, obviously a step in good faith. There were other surprises. There were teams that were surprising that they'd be low. I think that he probably does literally just run the math and put it out. Yes. And he's like, oh, interesting how high this is. Interesting how low this is. What? And I refuse to name any names. And this might be untrue. But personally and observationally, it seems like, especially the national media... And especially the, like, very football-focused, like, those talk shows kind of media mm-hmm. have realized that talking about Nebraska starts a conversation. Yes. Among our fan base, which turns up for anything you put in red and white, how's Husker Lacrosse doing, by the way? 
we don't have a lacrosse have, team. I actually I just heard about this. We don't have a real lacrosse team. We have it's a, a club, club lacrosse, lacrosse team, team, and they just wiped the floor with Kansas State this weekend. Uh, my buddy was at the campus rec, so Nebraska lacrosse doing all right. All right. But the point being, we care about anything that you slap a red at on. Mm-hmm. And we also just crave national attention, even when we don't deserve it, because we want to get back to the place where we deserve it. Yes. That's why you had such a big turnout for game day. That's, That's why, why we, we had game, game day. day in the first place, <laughs> was because they knew we'd show up. And it... It ticks me off because I think it actually makes it harder to run a football program out of this place. I I imagine that, like, okay, my thing is it might make it easier to recruit, but mm-hmm. it has to make it a lot harder to coach. Yes, especially since, as you mentioned, Nebraska wasn't the only overachieving team in the math metric. You had... Virginia Tech was like two spots below us. Mm-hmm. Florida State was a couple spots above us. Mm-hmm. Tennessee was around top 25 range too. So, And there were some ones that should have been higher that were down in our area too. Yeah. So, yes. The, the headline wasn't Tennessee is ranked like 30th or Florida State ranked 21st after hiring a new coach. It's Nebraska at 22. Now, it very well may be that if you're sitting in, you know, Virginia, you got the Virginia Tech notification. And if you're sitting in, but I really think it, that I, the national conversation loves to to talk about us, which is frustrating because it makes our fan base worse. Yes. If you go on r forward slash CFB, which you shouldn't, but if you do. This is not fair. Dude, have you seen the stats? Something like, like a third of that freaking site is Husker fans. Yes, which is which is why, like, that's probably why we got piled on so much in the comments about the article that was yes. posted. What? Well, that one kind of fizzled. I guess we're just sad and pissed off. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Like, <laughs> I just want to, want to make it clear that I don't think Nebraska fans are thinking that we are that we should expect to be in the top 25 or thinking that we are going to be a, should be a top 25 team preseason just based on this metric, at least not the ones who like actually know a darn about this team and are not the people betting on Adrian Martinez to win the Heisman. Like I think that most Nebraska fans are still grounded in the six to seven win ceiling expectation team, no hype, but this is the, the hype train starting to roll so it's i think this very well could be domino one that will have fans predicting 10 and 2 before we kick off against purdue i definitely think that it could be domino one i'm less convinced that most fans expect something that low because folks last year especially at the end of last year and throughout recruiting have had to pump out the company line which i really think is domino Right, coaches bringing in a new coordinator, culture, ah, winning culture, winning mentality, winning attitude, that adds that first half a win in win in your mind. This one adds the second, and now you know. Okay, I look at the schedule three weeks ago, and the attitude I had then said five and seven, and now it says six and six, and. 
because the offseason in this stupid sport is so long. We are going to be... I mean, how many how many months is it until we actually see a college football team kick off a of football again? Well, unless you count the April spring game, which you, I don't, which but you we'll don't talk about it. But I'm not counting that as like then August. Game. So that's like month eight, and we're in month two right now. So that's six months away. Half a year, and the hype train's already starting. Which means even if it creeps up really slowly. Inertia is going to pull it down that hill hard. And who do we open against? Purdue, which has got to be our oh, our biggest God. opener since, since at least BYU. BYU and Purdue are like the two most hype openers I think we've ever had. No, um, Oregon. Didn't we open against Oregon? We what did not mean? open against them. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is not – who scheduled – why do we have a conference game <laughs> – what? Yeah, like normally we beat up on Florida Atlantic or struggle with South Alabama to open the season. Yes. Which is why we had at one point the longest home opener, not home op- longest opener, op- opening day starts. winning streak. Yeah. That went down the drain. Purdue that was a word soup. slow too. Yes, they do. They lost at Nevada to open. This is going to be the most ridiculously terrible game of football. Yes. Oh, God, it's going to be a crapshoot. We're just going to have to white knuckle it the entire way through, Justin. Yes, like, you know how our, oh. our Purdue games are always shows. And so picture all the week one show antics. Yes. Plus, oh, my God, it's going to finish like six to three. No, going to be like I'm, I'm turnovers. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be. I think I'm thinking we're gonna fall backwards into a high scoring game somehow. No, I disagree. I think it's gonna be the most Big Ten Big Ten game ever. Because think about it, both of these teams really need to win this game to have a good season. Yes. So I really think our whole strat is gonna be like run the most cautious option <laughs> and be like, you know what? If we punt forty times, fine. But by God we are not going to lose this game because we beat ourselves. Because that's the narrative I'm terrified of if I'm Scott. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we had... You remember, like, the Colorado games? Yes. Where we shot ourselves in the foot? I don't want to, but I do. Imagine that against Purdue week one of what could be a bubble year for Scott. Because we just extended him, so God knows we're, this is the year we think about pitching him if he doesn't perform really consider that yes but i just have a gut feeling that it's an august game so that's like it's not a week zero game but we're kicking off earlier than football teams normally do and it's not cold enough to be a big 10 game for one it's gonna be no the what you're right the weather's not there the weather's not there but the confidence in either team's passing attack isn't there but I never said it was going to be a high-scoring passing shootout. I honestly think that a fumble touchdown, fumble touchdown. There's there's going to be scoop and scores, and there's going to be just tremendous blown assignments on defense that allow for like seventy-yard runs to a guy who hadn't ran for more than two before. On both sides of the ball. On, on yeah, for yeah, we're gonna have ridiculous runs. They're gonna have ridiculous runs. I th- I think we're going to see eleven chickens with their heads cut off 
playing against 11 chickens with their head no. cuts off I for think, 60 minutes. I think we're going to see 22 chickens with their heads cut off who are too friggin' scared to do anything. <laughs> so you're just going to see, like, a lot of false starts, a lot of offsides, scraping for first downs, barely getting stops, punting, 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 until, like, eventually one team scrapes it to the opposing 40 and just, like, barely dinks it in off the woodwork to win the game. It's going to be like that old it'll, – it'll be like when we, like, played, like, the Omaha YMCA in 1872. Like, <laughs> that's what it's going to look like. I don't know. I, I just think week one games are normally too mayhem-like for, for something that mundane to happen. We can we can save that mundane game for, like, I, I don't think it's going to be mundane. I think it's going to be, like, one of those, like, old-timey games where, like, somebody gets shot and, like, somebody gets their spleen stepped on and, like <laughs> – Half the team comes off the field with internal lacerations, but like, I I do think it's not going to be particularly high scoring. But guess what? We've got six months, six months away, and we're already talking about our opening football game. Which brings me to an idea I've had for a while: the FCS should just sit this year out and then kick off around this time. Like what? Yeah, like Division Two FCS with like North Dakota State in them. They should just not play this fall and then start again in the springtime. Like like a like a college XFL? Yes, like a college XFL. So you could have a full slate of college games on Saturday like we normally have. And then we have XFL on Sunday. Two thoughts. One. That's a good idea. No. <laughs> Dang it. One, that takes away a bunch of teams' preseason opponents meaning that preseason games have to be real, and we don't want that. I do. <laughs> this school doesn't want that. We have we have one scheduled for, like, yeah, we never play more than one a year, okay? I want a bye week. Yeah. Don't we, take away my bye week. Second, self- I actually have three thoughts. Second, FCS football can very occasionally be fun, yes. but is typically trash panda and three dude we've got a g block let's stay on schedule okay (laughs) this this is gonna segue into the xfl okay no because that's not even next on the list well next on the list is the all-star weekend well i thought you know you want to talk about the all-star i do want to talk about the all-star weekend for the all-star weekend so (laughs) i do too okay well let's talk about the all-star weekend and save scs till Till this time six months from now. I heard talking about something that I'm not going to see for half a year. <laughs> Fine. Well, speaking of something that we just saw, uh, NBA All-Star Weekend is like one of my personal favorite things. And this year might have been my favorite one we've ever had. Yeah. From the way it kicked off on Friday with Stephen A. Smith getting a technical foul in the Celebrity All-Star Game and having to turn around and go to Guy Fieri to, <laughs> to continue coaching his team. I loved that. That that was perfect. And then All-Star Saturday night. The three-point contest, it came down to the final shot. I loved it, but no one really cares about that anymore because the thing that's going to have everybody talking is the slam dunk contest. And I've seen more talk about this slam dunk contest than I have 
even since the 2016 one, which everyone agreed was like the best we've ever seen, people weren't talking about this. People weren't as angry about the result of that as they were about this one here. And let me say one thing to start this off. Derek Jones Jr. deserved that. 100%. They got the rightful winner, the trophy. That's a hot take, but I can back it up. Do you want an even hotter take? What? The dunk contest. So this is the first time I've ever really watched the dunk contest. And I didn't even watch all of it. I like watched a oh, little you bit should've... on Twitter at work. And then I came back and I watched the end. And I was paying attention to the scores throughout. And I actually followed the thread. And it was dumb and kind of lame and not that entertaining. What? Nope. Have you... Why do I care what Chadwick Boseman thinks about basketball? Get better judges. Make this actually a thing. Make it interesting. Don't meme it up with big names. This is dumb and stupid. Is it a thing or is it a joke? That's what I can't decide. That's what it seems like it can't decide about itself. It's, it, it's, it's like wearing a clown costume and then trying to act serious. Right? I have enough trouble trying to take, like, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal seriously on a regular basis with the NBA. Why do I care what Common thinks? Have okay. I hurt you in some... Okay, ignoring the judges, the actual show oh, part God. is what I like about it. It's not even that good. Yeah, that was a really good Why one. That was... jump over a guy. I'm going to jump over a guy. Like, if you let them use, like, trampolines to do, like, flips, it's dope. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I just got tired of being like, oh, man, when we set the hoops to eight foot in grade school, we could do this garbage. Nathan can jump over a person. That's not this impressive. I've seen it live. <laughs> okay, I admit that there were a couple dunks that did get a bit repetitive, but still, you can pick four out of that lineup that we hadn't seen before. And I've seen everything. I have every dunk from every contest memorized. And there were stuff that I had not seen before. Not even on YouTube. Like, that's what I liked about this one. It showed that there were, like, well, the, the everything's been done crowd like you. Like, still... <laughs> you said that with legitimate spite. Like... <laughs> I find that hilarious. The everything's done crowd like you. Just chooses to ignore... Like, something like Aaron Gordon's final attempt in the regulation round of the contest. Or Derek Jones Jr.'s dunk before that, where he catches the ball off the backboard. That was cool. Puts it between his legs and lands over a person completely clearing him. That was cool. That one was good. But there were so many crappy ones that I just, like, I couldn't, I couldn't make it happen. I couldn't do that to myself. Nope. So Which like, I'd stop paying attention, and then my friends would be like, well, that was sick, and I'd be like, oh, I guess it was all right. Dunks aren't like, okay, dunks aren't what they used to be. How? I think a long time ago, people grew up in a world where less people could dunk. You know, you couldn't go to the local YMCA and see a guy, you know, wreck the rims and get yelled at. You couldn't, you never saw it in a high school basketball game. Which is why when now it happens in a high school basketball game, or, or even sometimes, like, people talk about how they shouldn't allow dunks in college basketball. And it's like, it's not a vocal 
okay. minority, but there's a group of people out there who legitimately think college basketball was better when it was just layup and layup and layup. And, like, I think that the reason people used to get really hype about the dunk contest, especially when it was, like, instituted and becoming a thing, was, one, it was novel, and, two, it was, like, special, because not everybody could do this. But I know people that can dunk. It used to be, let's go watch these guys who can do this thing no one can do. But, like, between the average population getting taller and getting better hops... And Jordan's really stepping up the jumping game. Like, I think we're seeing a lot more people who have the athleticism to do that. And no, I'm not saying I know a bunch of people who can do these super acrobatic technical jumps. But I've also just seen so Like, they're more prevalent in games now. I would much rather... Like, okay. I love the Home Run Derby. Yes. Because I think that that's, like, a legitimately impressive thing. You're lucky to go to... I'm not saying that this is impressive, but you're lucky to go to a baseball game and see a home run. home run. You go to a basketball game above the high school level, D3 freaking college, you're going to see a dunk. It's, it's less novel. It's less interesting. I, I disagree. I think that because of that less novelty, that means the ante has to be upped. You like you rewatched the 1988 slam dunk contest, which has been hailed as the holy grail for years of slam dunks. Like I'm not saying that's not good, but when Dominique did a windmill in that contest, like again, that was something that was unheard of. No one was doing that in games, but since people are doing that in games now, somebody has to come up with something that's unheard of now. So so Derek Jones Jr. windmills from the free throw line. And that's what and that's what I like about it. The ante keeps on getting up. Like the stuff that these guys are doing wouldn't have even been thought of as a possibility ten years ago, and now they're doing it here. Just because of the fact that there are so many things that have been done, and that that means that that narrows down the possibility of remaining dunks. And that that's where the creativity comes into play. And admittedly, the juice got a bit dry in like some points. But that was maybe, I'd honestly say, maybe four dunks the whole night, night I'd say, had me feeling like, eh, okay, that's been done before. I'm not giving this a 10. Whoa. Okay, I'm watching the 88 one. Anderson from San Antonio. That was legitimately a little bit impressive. Okay, what? let me see what Anderson did. Because I don't even know who that is. Boy. Especially when you consider the time. Like, it's just... Okay. Pretty good. That's that's good. But guys now go between their legs after doing that dunk that he did, you know? Yeah. But I'm saying I've gotten desensitized to it. <laughs> it's lost the magic. I think that magic is still there because we have not seen the amount of ante that has been upped. It's almost hard to comprehend how impressive some a Derek Jones Jr. dunk is is like that Anderson dunk you showed me that's impressive if somebody threw that down in front of me I I'd think that was impressive especially for that time frame but yeah. like like Jordan just did what would be a totally run-of-the-mill dunk now yes right yeah but now there's just so much stuff involved you almost don't know what to focus on and maybe yeah it's, maybe I'm just a, a poor a poor spectator oh that one was pretty good <laughs> which one 
Um, <laughs> what's this guy's name? What? Drexler. Clyde Drexler. Clyde the Glide. Yeah, I guess that's cool. <laughs> so I don't know any of these people. That one's kind of running the mill. He just jumped up and put it behind his head. Yeah, Pe- and people do that now after jumping over a person, like clearing another person. Yeah, like, I don't know. The ante has been upped so much, and it's such a show now. And I get that you really like that about the NBA, and I don't like it when it comes to actual games, but All-Star Weekend is your chance to go crazy. And and that's what I love about All-Star Weekend, is that like Uh-oh. it's like any idea you can have, throw it out here. This is a, just a place for all the best players to get together and have fun for a night of basketball and basketball-related competitions. Basketball-related competitions. Yes, that's what I like about it. After a player slams, they go to the sideline and all the big names who don't do the dunk contest anymore because, the, because as you said, like the dunk novelty has worn off that like James Harden, he can dunk a basketball. He can't do any of the stuff that these guys are doing. So if you want the entertainment factor, you need to reach down to like the backup power forward range like we saw this year and have those guys in it and have those guys be the stars for a night because they can do these things that nobody can really dream of and they got the winner right because we have a conspiracy in the dunk contest again this year and it was the most hilarious conspiracy ever. So after we go into the second dunk off, because they remain tied after the f- competition and regulation, they still they were tied because both of the dunks in the final round earned a perfect 50 score. Which, I guess, no real disagreements there, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be mad if it ended in regulation for either of the guys and a 9 was getting thrown around in the final round. But none of the judges did that since, as you pointed out, the judges, yeah, they, they really did not know what they were looking at. They suck. The judges sucked. Honestly, they they should get me as a judge because I have seen every dunk from every dunk contest. They should get people like me, like two people like me and three people who have actually dunked a basketball before. People who have actually won a slam dunk contest and the older, the better. Like if you can get Dr. J out there to the judges table, do it because you know how hard it is to impress old people. And you know how hard it is to impress old people with flashy gimmicks like Dr. J probably doesn't even know who Chance the Rapper is, let alone be impressed by somebody jumping over him. So that would help the scores a lot. Yeah, it was just like automatically you get a minor 10, and that was lame. Yeah, that was lame. That is what I will agree with you was lame about this contest. The judges did not really know what they were looking at. Gordon and Jones had both done dunk contests in the past, and both repeated dunks from past contests in this one, and the judges acted like it was the first time they've seen them do it, when it was not. But anyways, we get to the final dunk-off round. The rules of the dunk contest state that after the finals, if the scores are still tied, you go to a dunk-off, one dunk, whoever has the higher score wins. If it's tied, you go to another one, and if it's still tied after that, the judges just pick whoever they like better. So we're in the second, final dunk round. Derek Jones Jr. does his windmill from the free throw line. Very impressive. I loved that dunk. But the judges give it a 48. It's not, he didn't go over anything, which had been the theme all night. So I guess maybe that messed with some of their expectations. Or maybe some of them were like me and remembered when Zach Levine did the same thing in 2016. 
So anyways, that leaves the door open for Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is out of ideas at this point. Literally out of ideas. So he's just walking around trying to think of something to do that would impress them enough that he could get over a 48 and win this thing. So he goes to Shaq. He asks Shaq, do you want to be a part of this dunk? Shaq says no, even though he was a part of a dunk last year. But anyways, so he's like, dang it, Shaq said no. What can I jump over that's more impressive than Shaq? Looks up in the crowd. There's Taco Fall, seven foot five, player for the Boston Celtics. He comes down. This isn't even planned. Nobody knew this was going to happen, not even Taco. So he comes down and is like, <laughs> Aaron Gordon is going to jump over the tallest player in the NBA. After we've seen everything be done tonight of the genre of dunking over people, Aaron Gordon's going to do it to Taco Fall. It's all lined up perfectly. He jumps. He grabs the ball. He dunks it. But he hits him slightly on the way down. He hits a little bit of the fingers, a little bit of his head. It's not a clean jump over him. But the crowd loved it. The crowd loved the, the spontaneous nature of the dunk. The crowd went wild. The, high, the loudest roar all night. The players on the sideline went berserk. And the judges, according to Common, were like, that was so spectacular. We honestly can't decide a winner on this thing. And I don't even think they knew the rule of uh, if it's still tied after the second dunk off, you choose the winner. I, I think they thought it was going to be a tie, given the fact that, you know, these guys, they probably went to like one briefing meeting and that was it. Like Chadwick Bozeman, I imagine, has a very busy schedule and doesn't have time to research slam dunks. That's generous. Chadwick Bozeman just doesn't want to show up to that garbage. Chadwick Bozeman probably would rather, I don't know, do celebrity things. Common too. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So And who are the other three randos? Scotty Pippen. Right. Candace Parker. Who the hell is WNBA that? player. Ah, yeah, okay. She has actually dunked in a game before. <laughs> so that makes oh, her more She's a legend in the WNBA. She is a WNBA legend. Put some respect I, on Candace Parker's name. And then the leader of this whole conspiracy, Dwayne Wade. My favorite player of all time, not yeah. named Dion Waiters. Dwayne Wade. Is Dwayne Wade even tall enough to dunk? Yes. He's like, he looks shorter than he is. How tall is he? He's like 6'4", 6'5". Yeah, he looks like (laughs) 5'4". Continuing. He he had played with Derrick Jones Jr. last year. So, he knows him. He's a Miami Heat guy, and they're friends. This could be a conflict of interest, but nobody thought of that. So, Common and all the other judges say... We can't decide. Let's just have him tie. Everyone give the same scores as last time. Let's go home. Dwayne Wade gave Derek Jones a 10 for the last dunk for a score of 48. So that means that it was three 10s and two 9s. So the two judges put in 10s. Two judges put in 9s. Dwayne Wade puts in a 9 for Aaron Gordon and just takes his headset off and walks off as soon as the score gets announced. That's pretty baller. So Derek Jones Jr. was the result of a conspiracy to win the dunk contest. Thank you to Wayne Wade for showing the tr- the people the truth. Because if you don't clear him completely, that's not jumping over Taco Fall. I want the internet to realize this. Yes, only barely hitting a seven foot five man is impressive. But don't try to jump over somebody and not actually completely jump over them. 
because the best dunk that he could have done there was not the best dunk he did, so it did not deserve a 10. Derek Jones Jr. deserved the win, and it shouldn't have even gone to a second dunk off because Aaron Gordon's dunk in the first dunk off was nowhere near a 10, and people just gave it a 10 because they wanted to see more dunks. Should we talk about the All-Star game or just keep it checking? We should definitely talk about the All-Star game because I actually have thoughts about it. So I'm going to pause the home run derby that I was watching while you were talking about. um, Yeah, I love the dunk contest so much. I feel similarly about the home run derby. So I think it's just like people have their pet things. (laughs) Um, But next, oh yeah, no, the All-Star game. I've never watched an NBA All-Star game before. So I have no context for how much this should suck. But holy crap, that was awesome. (laughs) That was so much fun. Like, imagine getting some of the, like, greatest athletes in the world at the sport that they play together under one roof and giving them an incentive to actually care. And I think that beyond the, like, you're playing for children's charity and you're playing in Kobe's legacy talk, there was probably like a, hey, you and also people from your team will not be invited back if you don't try this year. Like, clearly... Somebody was tasked, like, some intern's job was to make the All-Star game dope this year, and they succeeded and deserve a promotion. Yes. Like, I made fun of the format on our last episode. I yeah, thought... I didn't understand it. And I yeah, you didn't understand it. So, so for the first three quarters of the game, it's like, <laughs> this is a typical All-Star game. Like, I, I like it. I watch it. It's, bas- it's basically, as I said to you, it's indoor recess but with the best athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> there's no structure. That they're not running plays. They're just cut to the hoop. I'll throw you a lob. I'm 30 feet away. Hey, there's no defense. I'll chuck it up there. Hey, it went in. That's more points to my team. You know, mm-hmm. n- nobody's actually going to try to compete to win this game because, you know, it's just, it's the all-star game. That's what it's always been. Yeah. But then the fourth quarter hit. And the new rule took place of what is known as the Elam ending. It was suggested by Chris Paul that the NBA should do it this year in the All-Star game. So your intern... Chris Paul balled out, so... Yeah. So a lot of credit to Chris Paul. You, You credited an intern with this idea. He maybe came up with the charities part, but no. The part that everyone remembers about this game is thanks to Chris Paul. They should play every quarter like that from now on. Every quarter, yes. Go first quarter ends first team to twenty-five. Second quarter, first team to fifty. Third, seventy-five. Fourth, a hundred. As soon as that happens, like it keeps it short too. It keeps the game short. There's only one problem, and that's the game can end on a free throw. No, I don't. I don't mind that. Like, like think of the alternative. Consider what happens if you don't allow the game to end on a free throw. Then I can just foul you every time you look like scoring. But this, but if we do street ball rules for like the final point, what are street ball rules for the final point? Exactly. St- street ball rules are like if, like like when you're playing pickup, if if somebody if you get fouled, you don't find a, a makeshift free throw line and shoot it. You just take it back up top. So just take it back up top. And try again for your one basket. But that means I have to score through a foul. Because then on the last stand of the game, everybody's just going to try and foul out. Yeah, but you, you could stop. But you could foul out of the game, stuff like that. Yeah, but what if what if I sub in guys who don't have a single foul on the sheet? Then it's six times. 
It's not tenable to do this in any other way. You have to be able to win on a free throw, and I think that that's the most likely way that a lot of these games are going to end. Okay, but can it at least be on a shooting foul? Can we at least have that? In yeah, it? maybe you should, like, disable the bonus. Yeah. But, I, like... Because Kyle Lowry grabbing the arm of Anthony Davis is what ended that game. Like, okay, I think that's a good compromise. Just disable the bonus. Because a, yeah. lo- a lot of games do technically end on free throws in this in our regular basketball game. Like, mm-hmm. just when a free throw puts the game out of reach for the other team. This is like basketball and baseball in that there's still a chance the other team could come back no matter how big the lead is. Right. Yeah. Like, Team Giannis went into the fourth quarter up nine, and they lost. To the better team. To the better team. Giannis, uh... After basketball, don't become a GM. Okay, don't. You drafted. Clearly the worst team. And y'all put up a decent effort. Another thing that's hilarious is that Nick Nurse, the coach of Team Giannis, uh, coach of the Toronto Raptors, <laughs> instead of playing the guy who was voted in as a starter in Trey Young, he, set in, he sent in his own guy, Kyle Lowry, to play in the final couple minutes. And Lowry, he's good at defense, but not good at offense. And Team Giannis just couldn't score. And he never once thought of putting one of the best three-point shooters in the league in to replace his own guy. I love that. <laughs> it's the All-Star game. And I love the ending. Like, yeah, I honestly think, put it in the NIT this year. So we can get people familiar with it. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Put make make no. that ending in the NIT this year. I mean, yeah, it'd be cool, but it won't happen. But if it did, like we could, oh, it'd be sweet. It, like honestly, <laughs> this might be a better way to play basketball than the way we've always played basketball. Too many crickets. I'm not. I'm not ready to put it in everything. Like I, I would not want the NBA Finals or the Final Four to run like this. I think you're overreacting. But, but cool, something like the it's NIT. Gimmicky, it's fun. And just because you don't care about the NIT doesn't mean certain teams don't care about the NIT. You know? But when, the NIT has always been more experimental. Like, I think they have a longer three-point line. More experimental. You're right. But this is a bridge too far. This is, this is making it a different game. Different teams would win under this. You know? Um... I'm trying to think like, of like Virginia is the only team I think that would honestly suffer for this because they're the the defensive trap team that wins yeah. games like fifty to it thirty. Would, it would kill defense because uh, it would no. Like, it, I don't think it would kill defense honestly. It, would, it wouldn't kill. It would change defense. If, you would you would have to play defensive strategies a lot differently. But in like it's cool to give up points if there's a big gulf, so long as you're outpacing them. But what if, instead of the NBA All-Star format of fourth quarter, no clock, plus 24, we do the original Elam ending, which was probably going to be planned had they not Kobe-treated it at the end. With two minutes to go, cut the clock, team in front score, plus seven. That's the target score. What about that? That's the original Elam ending. What does Elam stand for? Uh, Professor something or something Elam who came up with the idea. I don't hate it. It's not time yet. Basketball's not broken. Why fix it? 
Okay, but like the final, the thing that people have criticized basketball the most about for generations is the final minute can take forever with all the fouling and, yeah, and free throws. First of all, the, you can always leave and you can always turn it off. So that's a dumb, dumb argument. You're right that it can take forever. I think that they should basically, when you're in that situation, shorten timeouts. Like, instead of being like, you get fulls and 30s, be like, you get fulls and 30s until the last minute, or two minutes, or whatever. Yeah. And if you're taking it within the last two minutes of a, of a period of play, it's 10 seconds. Right? Yeah. Because also, like, you've already got your play drawn up and figured out. Yeah, that's, that, that's one thing that keeps the Elam ending from, I think... Uh, making it into like normal regular season basketball games is that this is the all-star game. There are no plays. Yeah. Like that's what made it probably the perfect ending the way for this game to end. What, what I think would be cool. And I've said this for a long time, shorten the NBA season first. Yes. This is too frigging long. Players get hurt far too much. Uh, the rotations have to be more aggressive on, on saving your, um, you know, you're less, uh, I don't know. Like, the length of the season sucks for the Rockets. Yes. It sucks for a lot of teams with older guys. Um, careers could get extended a lot longer if they played three quarters of the games. You know, it, it's just, do. I'm sure that if I had an NBA team in my city, I might feel differently. That makes tickets cheaper and more accessible. That makes it you know, easier to go to games. That means that if I'm buying a season ticket package, it's worth more. So I get all that. Yeah. I get that they're trying to cater to fans who are there live. That said, it just is, it makes the overall product worse to play this number of games. But where I'm going with this is, this leaves a gulf of time, probably I would think before the season, like you just start the season later. Started at Christmas. I've said this for years. What? Start at Christmas. If the finals go into July, who cares? Who cares? No, I'd say move move it up. No way. We, I'd we, say, you as, know what, honestly, as, I want as, it shortened as, on both ends. I don't no. like it when the finals go to July. I, I love no, it. No, because now we're in summer sports. Baseball's starting to matter in July. Not really. Yeah, it is. Absolutely it is. But not to the, not to the point where I need to make it priority number one like i can easily let nba slide over baseball in july i do it anyways with free agency so if well but you care less about baseball like i i still love baseball but I one of us is watching the home run derby one of us isn't okay <laughs> okay i will say that you are a bigger baseball fan than me and i'm a big I'm sorry can i get that on the record one more time you you like you watch baseball more than me okay that's true and <laughs> you won't say that I'm a bigger fan because I'm a Red Sox fan. Yes. And I am also, like, obsessed with the NBA. Oh, yeah. More than I am of almost any sport. Yes. So, speaking with that bias in mind, I think that if the NBA Finals go into July, the latest they ever go under this current format is, like, June 20th, which still gives baseball all of July to do its thing. Yeah. The NBA so, doesn't want to go up against real baseball, though. Which is why it doesn't 
and it doesn't have to. If if we start the season at Christmas, play like sixty regular season games, and then that's still a lot. But I think fifty games. No, I I, I like sixty. I I think fifty is too short. You don't get to see every team. You know, I like. Cares if you get to see every team. I do. I I Why? I. Why does it matter if the Kings play the Golden State Warriors? Kings Warriors, that could be a fun game. I I like to see everybody against everybody. That gives maximum fun potential its chance to shine. So so I say sixty games. Everybody can see everybody, or maybe not because you need to play division opponents more. Or but mostly everybody gets to see everybody at least once. And then we have playoffs, first round, best of five, and then best of three. I can see it. Best of three. But, okay. Three, five, five, okay, seven. Okay, I, I take back my statement of best of five first rounds. I keep them there, but there's only six teams from each conference make the playoffs. Best of five first rounds for those four, and then we go into the conference and then we go seven, seven finals. If the finals go into July, I personally Wait, don't. So care. how many rounds? There's six teams. Yeah, six teams. So you know what? Why not four? Four. I think. I think the way the NBA is set up now, there's way too many good teams for me to want four from each side. Like yeah. I'd, I'd feel really bad for five and six, and that we wouldn't see him again. And I think. That in years like this, where the one seeds are just so overpowered, that would give us more basketball, give me more basketball to care about without feeling like the playoffs are diluted. So I'd say, like, you do the first round of four. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. This might work. Okay. So everybody knows that the NBA always ends up loaded with better teams on one side than the other. Yes. And that this shifts back and forth, and it's very rare where there is, like, equilibrium in Camelot, right? Yes, this is the closest it's ever been, and I'd still say it's about six teams in the West, I'd say, are amazing, and three in the East. Right. And that's way more Who's than it's third been. third in the East? Third in the East, um, I like Bucks, Raptors, Celtics out East. You like, okay, you buy the Raptors hype. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Not worth getting into. Um, <laughs> just the, too much to game cover. win streak. Okay, okay, That's okay, impressive. okay, okay. Fine in the East. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that what would be cool is you try and maintain for the top four teams aside, four teams on either side, um, that they get a berth. But then you have play-ins for oh. five and six, five seed, five seed, six seed, six seed. Yeah, also for like, so five seed from the East plays five seed from the West, so you gets to be the ultimate five seed. Yeah, and then you've got six real teams. Oh, nice. Those teams. So what that does is, A, it tires out those, because the NBA Finals is kind of bad at figuring out who is actually the best NBA team, I think. It's not as bad as like the World Series or March Madness, No, but it's kind of bad. It's such a slog and such unlike anything else that the NBA offers, which is why I love it. Yeah, which is why I think you got to lean into, you got to make it slightly less of a slog because okay. right now it's just too much. And you got to lean into the idea that like certain teams deserve more of a chance than others and give those one seeds huge buys. Like they should basically waltz into the semifinal. Which they basically do anyway, so right. not much will change. Uh-huh. 
And so it's a matter of like making sure they play the best team in the semifinal possible. Um, like, because, so I, I'm, we're not by any means like a playoff bubble team, but we're a low tier playoff team right now. In yes. West. Yes, but based on how the regular season's going, yes, you'll be a four or a five seed, but you'll also be like I don't one of the favorites to come out with. Four. I don't buy that we're going to be. Well, yeah, because of the way we'll play in the playoffs. Yes. Because of who we are and what we do, we will be a favorite to come out. Which is really weird. Like, the Clippers are, like, what, sixth in their conference, and yet everybody's ready to pencil them in. Yeah, but still, everyone's penciling them in as a possible finals contender, just ignoring the the teams in, like, second and fourth. Well, because I don't... Because because that's the way basketball works. I don't buy the Nuggets. Yeah. Deep. I don't really buy the Lakers deep. I do. I I think a Lakers is it even possible to get a Lakers Clippers Western Finals? No, right? West if yes. If it finishes the way it is, it'll be one and three. One well, well, it will it goes one eight four five and then oh. three six two seven. So as long as the Clippers aren't the four seed and the Lakers hold on to the hold on to the one, we could get a the Battle of L.A. for the winner of the Western Conference. So in the current scenario. We play the Jazz if it finishes as it is today. Which you will seed. because you have for the, the past two years played the Jazz in the first round and you must not ever leave each other. The Rockets and the Jazz will play each other in the first round. Sure as God made green apples, okay? <laughs> instead, instead, I think we could have a much more enticing and interesting matchup with the 76ers. Yes, absolutely. Right? Which is better... Be, than watching us play the Jazz and watching the Lakers trounce the Grizzlies and watching the Bucks trounce the Orlando Magic. <laughs> like, what? who's showing up for that other than to say, oh, Giannis looks good like he did all year. It's not like he suddenly got yeah. mad at basketball because it's the playoffs. On to you, Jeff. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened in Bucks pistons last year. Yeah. Like, like, you know how when teams make the playoffs, they go all out for promotion. Mm-hmm. They have matching T-shirts in the stands and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. They want to get fans hyped during the playoffs. The Pistons didn't even have T-shirts. They didn't have anything on the court that signaled this was a playoff game when the Bucks came to town. They were just like, we know we're going to lose. Let's get out of here as soon as possible. And that's not what's supposed to be in any sports playoffs nope. ever. Nope. Nope. It sucks. It's bad. It's it's big badness. <laughs> But we fixed it, thankfully. So, now on to our next block. Wait, no, it's not. It's Miles Garrett. Block. Okay. I don't have cohesive and interesting thoughts about Miles Garrett. What Neither I am, do I. What I'm going to say is that people should look into this. Because I think it's really interesting. Here, here's my only real thought. Yes. We're still talking about this scandal much, much later after it happened. Mm-hmm. Partially only because of what Miles Garrett said, but I actually think partially because in the long-term aftermath, the discussion around this incident was healthy. Yes. And, and, and like, if you, we, we will rip on first take plenty on this show, but if you want to see a great example of what first take can do, uh, Mike Tomlin's interview on first take was really, really good and really, really enlightening. And I, I'm not sure. I, I thought that Max Kellerman's thoughts on it were particularly good. It is possible, because I have been in this scenario, it is possible where one person can say, 
I can hear something and, and really truly think they heard another person say something and, and and the other person in this case Mason Rudolph never actually I don't think ever actually called Miles Garrett the n-word but it's entirely possible for Miles Garrett to think he heard that and if he heard that or if he even thinks he's heard that that puts his decision making into context mm-hmm. right I think the fact that this had an element of a racial discussion involved in it, and yet the NFL <laughs> kind of handled it, and also handled it without that much intervention from the NFL proper, and really just worked it out as like, okay, here is what the Steelers apparatus and the Browns apparatus are going to say to each other, and nobody's going to try and trash anybody, and everyone's going to walk away because the bad part has already happened, and there's no reason to make it worse. If every sports scandal looked like this, as much as the initial hype and madness was too much but is almost inevitable, if everyone was as much of a grown-up as people have been talking about this in the last week life would be better. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe there's this awful CD underground that you see on Reddit that I don't that's, like, having a heyday with this, but really I think people have mostly been grown up about this, and I just honestly want to say I'm glad that we're getting closer to the bottom of this. I'm glad that it seems like every player involved is going to be allowed to move on Yes, and, and make better in the future. And Even though I'm not sure about Mason Rudolph because he sucks and will likely never quarterback an NFL oh, team again. Oh, he sucks hot garbage. Oh, he, yeah. He, he, he is What he does so is he steps bad. onto the field and he makes a large, large loud sucking noise and then he gets back off the field. <laughs> that is what he does. Um, yeah, with or without this incident, okay. he ain't quarterbacking another team. Let me, let me rephrase this. Miles Garrett is being allowed to, yes. which is the right thing to do, I think. The people who said he should never play again didn't win. And I think that's good. Yeah. I I think it's kind of like I don't mind I don't mind him being reinstated at all. But at the end of the day, he only got six games for that. So I think it should have at least carried somewhat into this coming season, given that like six games for that is like lower than what a lot of guys have got for like comparatively benign stuff but yes totally agree that guys have gotten more for comparatively benign stuff those suspensions should have been shorter this is this is the kind of thing you run into like in in actual discussions of criminal justice all the time yes well you know the the guys who are who are getting you know a, a year you know veterans diversion programs are getting off easy because these other guys who aren't veterans are doing the same thing and getting way more and it's like no 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 just because someone else gets a raw deal doesn't mean so and so deserves a raw deal just because people have gotten the shaft from the nfl in the past on things where they didn't deserve a suspension for dumb political roger goodell reasons doesn't mean that we shouldn't celebrate when miles garrett gets off with about the punishment I think he deserves. I thought it should have been eight games half the season, carry it into the first two, lay down the law. What's the point? What, what law is there to lay down? Because that was a freak and wild incident. Everyone around Miles Garrett says there's not a pattern of behavior here. He plays hard. He played to the whistle. He snapped once. It happens. 
don't know. I like I just think the NFL immediately reinstating him was kind of their let's hope this goes away type thing. Because cause at the time when I brought up his reinstation, you were like, yeah, that's a non-story, which I think the NFL kind of wanted to put this all behind them as fast as possible. I did think it was a non-story. Yes, which which I'd say was the exact intent of what the NFL was doing. And like, yeah, it really wasn't a story. But the fact that he continues to like, like, I still disagreed with them reinstating him then. But I'm like, OK, like this was probably going to happen, you know? What do you mean this this comment coming out that he still maintains this or that you you oh you thought they were gonna reinstate him yeah I, yeah yeah I thought you were he, just consigned to that yeah yeah like I thought he was like he was never in serious threat from getting a full year or forgetting oh, like no I didn't think he was ever gonna get a full year I never thought he was in serious threat of anything that would involve him not playing again which is why I thought it was really not a story and that I didn't think the NFL did it out of the goodness of their hearts and realizing that. It's just some guy who made a mistake. I thought they were doing it just to make this go away as soon as possible. Yeah. But now they're sort of realizing it's not going to go away. There are going to be vocal critics of his reinstation coming up really soon, thanks to him, Miles Garrett, continuing to say, this is why I did it. And like, if you take it from... Yes, I, I am, like, thinking about it from Miles' perspective, it would make absolute sense why he would think he would hear that, why he would act that way if that's what he heard. Given that there's likely going to be no audio from this, despite the fact that everything's mic'd up nowadays. Yeah, that tape got burnt. Yeah. Easily. I don't know how. I think it might just be the NFL's either that or when this kind of crap goes down, they very intentionally cut the mics or don't point the mics in that direction. Because I think the way that they mic it up is they've got that big handheld. Yeah. Like sound receiver thing and then they pick through that noise to find exactly what they're looking for Mm -hmm. as i understand it that's how it goes where i'm sitting if i see something that's clearly going bad like a fight or something and i'm the nfl who's trying to make all my players look better i tell that operator to point it into the ground as soon as something crappy happens like this so i bet that that either a doesn't exist or b got burnt and that that's just a procedure yeah you know because the NFL is employing those people who are miking it up. Or at the very least, they're employing the people who, like, they're giving the TV rights to the people who employ those people. Mm-hmm. And have some power over what actually comes out from that. Which is why the XFL is so much fun. Yeah, and like, for, and Miles Garrett, one thing I will say about him, he has not changed his story at all. No. Since, like a couple days after the incident where he said, this is what happened from my side. The which first is, time he talks since. Which is what makes it very possible it, that he's yes. not actually lying. He just very misheard or misunderstood what was going on. Yes. There is room on both sides of this. And I think mm-hmm. this has been widely acknowledged, which is good. Yes. Mike Tomlin never came out and said, Miles Garrett's a liar. No. What he came out and said was... Like, I don't Mason think Mason Rudolph, would do I that. Know, yes. wouldn't do this. Nobody on my team, none of the African-American players on my team would have. And he said, like, basically, Steve and I talked about this later, but Mike Tomlin makes the implicit argument that, like, dudes on my team wouldn't have put up with this. If I had heard about this, we wouldn't have put up with this. It would have come out. We would have left Mason Rudolph out to dry. We would have all hopped on the Miles Garrett train. Because someone who says that word, and I firmly believe this, deserves a helmet to the head. Yes. That is not past what I think is a reasonable response to hearing that. 
Now, should your better angels prevail? Yes. But I'm a fiery guy. And I, I can't even imagine being insulted in such a way. We live in a society where it is set up so that I cannot possibly be insulted in such a way that is that offensive. So I can't imagine what Miles Garrett feels when he thinks he hears that, whether he did or not. And what I want to know is, like, if you tell Mason Rudolph that's what Miles Garrett thinks he heard, even if you didn't say that, that would make me step back and say, I get it. Okay, I didn't say that, but I understand someone being pissed if they think they heard that. Especially because there's already tension there. And you're in a situation where, you know, crap could run downhill really quickly. Yeah. I don't know. I find it all really interesting. I don't think that there's a big, great moral lesson to pull from all of it, other than this was actually a fairly decent response. Yeah, this... This could have gone off the rails in so many ways that <laughs> we're not on the football field in Cleveland that night. Like the the response from the fans and the media could have been just as violent as what happened on the field, and yet we're all like, it's been calm and the story. I wouldn't relatively say calm, calm, relatively calm for a story that involves this many elements. Mm-hmm. And the the fact that the NFL thought they could make this go away was kind of cute. But like, I mean, the NFL was always going to make, oh, make yeah. a boo-boo somewhere in here. The fact that it like, I hate to do this, but like the NFL has been relatively good throughout this entire thing. They've been good by the fact that they have not said anything really. Yeah. yeah. Normally but- you would expect Roger Goodell to accelerate this, to make this even worse. And next is... The XFL. Again, not a whole lot to say about this one other than people really went online and were like, yo, the XFL is over. They lost a third of viewership. And it's like, yeah, yeah of course they did. Because you see a loss in viewership in every league in week two, and especially in a new league in week two. This is to be expected. But attendance at the stadiums actually went up. On average, it went up and down in some places, but it went up more than it went down across the country. Seattle is packing the house like every single week. All the state seats that are available are like almost totally full to capacity. And um, yeah, that's that. TV ratings are it's, actually at expected and better than expected levels. It's still higher than the AAF was week one. Yes. So. And I imagine. That it will stay that way and also some of these games this weekend were not that good um like as far as they just weren't close games uh, or even quality football with the saturday games at least what is children before we decide what can be considered quality football we must first decide like our parameters And I don't think that quality football is, oh my God, these are the best athletes on the same field all at once. But at least it involves having a quarterback who is at least competent, which we did not see at all on Saturday. Like, none of the quarterbacks who played were were not that good, okay? As we're going to mention later, so I think that these teams thought, Oh, cool. Pro-style quarterbacks. 
um, or like conventional what you would think of as an NFL quarterback and then realize that the play style of this league doesn't suit that, you know? Like, I can't see pocket passers working here. No. Because most defenses are like, we're going to send everybody and the kitchen sink. Have a nice Saturday. Um, and so I think that, like, like Tommy Armstrong just got a call for a tryout to go to Team 9. Uh, it's entirely possible. Um, also, there are good quarterbacks in this league. There are. DC Defenders quarterback. Cardale. Incredible. Very Hasn't good. lost a game since high school. Just throwing that out there. 13-0 and since high school. I guess he never really started in the NFL, so, huh. Yeah. Not bad. And uh, and PJ Walker of Houston, I believe, doing really good. Andrew Jones is really good. Jordan Ta'amu of St. Louis had a great game, but they don't throw it with him nearly enough. Like, the St. Louis Battlehawks coach, I do not understand whatsoever. Lost, lost that game. Absolutely. Absolutely. A minute 40 to go. Your offense is on fire. And you don't even go for a two-point conversion, or, or heck, even a three-point conversion to cut it to two or to cut it to two or one, so a field goal would win it, basically, rather than just high. And again, offense is red hot. You literally just converted a first, a fourth and twelve on your last drive by gaining fifteen yards. So the fourth and fifteen is easily doable for this offense, especially with time running down. And you don't even go for it. I do not get that coach whatsoever. No, no. Some of the coaching doesn't make sense yet, but that's to be expected. These guys are in the XFL for a reason. But I thought, especially week one, some of the games were really good. Also, this is stupid easy to draw, stupid early to draw broad generalizations yes. about an entire league. It just doesn't make sense at this point in time. I'm, I'm just saying, with all due respect to the XFL, if, if with a football league that has half its quarterbacks not v- who are not very good, that's concerning. Yeah. I, I hope they get it fixed. I hope I they, they scheme around it or sign some new guys, but I don't want more Saturdays like the ones we saw this week where it's just two games of it's not it's not football that's like completely trash. I like I'm so disgusted I will turn my TV off. Like I'll still watch it, but the the quarterbacks are a problem on Saturday. Both of the Sunday games were okay. The bo- yeah, like I also think this was just a really unfortunate draw for them. Yes. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. But the fact that it survived the Saturday of no good quarterbacks. Very early. Very early. And those games still held your attention enough to like I won't yes. watch the Tampa Bay Vipers. Just like I'm not gonna spend time watching like the Cleveland Browns. No. Unless they're playing a better team I care about. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not really gonna watch. I think uh, the cool thing about this, though, is that everybody plays everybody, and because it's a short season, every game matters for the playoff race. Yes, and when a quarterback does mess up, you get a mic in his face the minute that happens. The Matt McGloin meltdown in the defenders. I never imagined Matt McGloin would give us such good sound. That was quality sound. Like, (laughs) just much fun watching that meltdown happen and it makes you wonder if you walked up to guys who seem cool and composed in the nfl in the moment yeah would that just go to who like who knows <laughs> anyway i still think the xfl is fun we're gonna yes. keep talking about it forward slash xfl is not a cesspool yet 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 which is funny because you would expect it to be yes it's just memes and happiness i love it 
And Nick talks about F1. Guess what? It's going to be great. You're going to have a good time. Get ready. So um, this feels like PTI where at the very end they get like – or no, it's um, – Around the around horn. Around the horn where at the very end they get a minute to talk about Face whatever time. they want. FaceTime, yeah. Yeah. So um, the Formula One winter testing season has begun. Winter testing is like the spring game of Formula One, but imagine that happens like only two weeks uh, before the season actually starts, Formula One will start. Actually, it's more like three, four weeks away from the beginning. Formula One proper racing starts March 15th in Australia. Be there, be square. It's going to be dope. The first race of the year is always really fun, and it's a super cool track and worth watching. But winter testing has begun. Winter testing is when all the teams show up to one circuit that will not be used during the Formula One year and get to test out their cars around a bunch of different types of turns, on straights, on different things. They pick an intentionally boring circuit so that they don't, like, you lose an interesting race. But um, the circuit that they're at in Barcelona has a big diversity of corners and things like that to, to make measurements on. So um, the teams run their cars for um, a set amount of days. It's like three. Basically, you get, like, a full practice session in. So is this day one? Today was day one. Uh, day one finished... Um, a few hours ago, and there are a few key takeaways, but we're definitely going to have to follow up on winter testing briefly next week. But what are the key takeaways? The key takeaways are this. One, oof, Ferrari, as we kind of expected, doesn't look awesome. Now, their official reason for not looking great is, and I want to give this before I give you the number that they finished in, um, and is and this is with their like guys like like this isn't like um, Ferrari used one of their real drivers. Today. Yes. Okay. It's it's not like yes. some AAA driver. No. You know? Although those those do get out there during winter testing, yes. but not Formula Two, not AAA. But well, yeah. But it, they also so F one teams. Yes, sometimes they use F2 drivers, but sometimes they have specific test drivers. Okay. Where it's like, you are just being used to give our real drivers a break. So, Ferrari ran the one The crash of their test guys, dummy. Pretty much. <laughs> slightly less respect. Um, <laughs> Ferrari used one of their two big guys today. And their excuse was that they were running heavy fuel loads, which slows the car down. On low engine power, which obviously slows the car down. But then why were they running that? That's the that's question number one. Why are you not showing up your hardest on the first day? And second, okay, 15 cars posted lap times today. Were they in 15th? Not quite. 11th. Jeez. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's like even if you're taking it slow, you're, you're losing to people who you should be beating when you're just dipping your toe in the water. So, watch Ferrari if you're interested in this. Watch Ferrari for the rest of the week. See how they're doing. See if they bounce back tomorrow. Is, is, um, is this like when people are saying after the South Alabama game that Frost was just not wanting to show off his playbook for Colorado? Is this kind of like that? This is somewhat similar to that. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is the playbook isn't built right yet. And there's like just not – I mean – yeah. Uh, another key takeaway is that 
So Williams. Williams is kind of the like laughing the, stock. Yeah, they're Formula trash. One, they used to be great. Think the Yankees. So No, uh, wait. We, I'm giving you crap. That's not actually entirely true. We should have made the World Series last year if if they weren't cheating. We're not getting we're not getting we're not getting caught up in this. I refuse. So uh, <laughs> Williams didn't even show up to the first two days of winter My testing. Man. Like they, they did not have the term paper due done on the due date. They I love it. They didn't roll up. This year they rolled up um this is the first um they compared this year's fastest lap time of a day where like everyone pushes, but it's pushing like at race speeds and not pushing at qualifying speeds. Their race speeds this year beat their qualifying speeds here from last year. Yeah. So is there the slight chance that they could not be Williams Williams this year and be slightly better Williams? Here's yeah, I, they're at least I think from what we've seen trying really making what very well could be a final push off of the brink of oblivion. Because here's the thing, they're clearly pouring in more money, clearly pouring in more work. Who knows how long that can like happen without improvement and investors like so it's like the browns we got to be good eventually right just keep on drafting if the brown that yes unless the browns <laughs> could literally lose all their money and go into bankruptcy which would help them a lot <laughs> honestly not for williams though like williams can't afford to go into administration cuz their liquid assets right now i don't think actually meet their debts so if they go into administration they can't raise anymore Whereas, like, Racing Point, when they went into administration, just had to liquidate a bunch of positions and suck for half a year, and now they're back because they got new investors. No one's interested in investing in Williams right now. Especially because <laughs> Williams uh, would make sense as a place to get into F1, except that this segues into another point. Renault just got bought by new ownership as a car company. Who? Renault. It's uh, a, it's a no, French. Uh, yeah, and, and I know who Reynolds is. They're the diamond logo people, but who bought yes. them? No one important. Oh. Rich, rich Europeans bought them. Ew. Anonymous rich Europeans. Um, so these anonymous rich Europeans have not made the same kind of commitment to staying in Formula One that former anonymous rich Europeans did, uh, which is not great, especially because Reynolds uh, hasn't been so good in the last, you know year they really took a drop off when it seemed like it was their year to get better so their team principal cyril i'm not going to pronounce it you can look it up but his name's cyril it's very french um cyril came out and said basically we are now more confident or we something like a stronger chance or a more likely chance of staying in f1 Nobody doesn't say, we're sure we're going to be in F1. We've talked to the new owners. He said that it's more likely we are. He also didn't say we're going to be better in F1. He said we're still going to be in F1. So what you could see is Renault not having a team. Nice. Which opens up a whole new spot in Formula 1 that formerly would have been filled, likely, by a specific team from Aston Martin. <laughs> which Aston doesn't Martin exist anymore into a because they bought into racing port. Honda? Who knows? Honda's had, like, at this point, the way it's worked out in Formula 1 is 
a lot of teams have had like really really crappy yes experiences in formula one and have bowed out uh honda was one of them right then right toyota ford probably ford had jaguar jaguar is now in formula e that's the other thing now you can look cool and hip by racing in formula e pouring zero money into it because formula e E is cheap as hell and saying oh we have a motorsport division that's more cutting edge than that of mercedes which is a lie (laughs) but sounds you know cool and and is really what you want out of a motorsport division is to look cool and sound cool and be cutting edge so formula e is offering this way and so God knows where that other team comes from. What it probably comes from is F1 makes it cheaper for you to get in and, like, create some rule. And then, like, Joe Schmo's like, hey, guess what? Joe Schmo's F1 shack now open for business. Like, and we get some rando to, like, pick up a seat. Which could be interesting because it could shake up the order. When you get a new team, like, a really, truly all-new team, who knows? It probably depends on how much money they're going to spend. And they're probably not going to be great at the beginning. But it could shake up the bottom of the table and it could very possibly shake up the midfield. So who knows? Like, I think the thing that we're seeing now, which is really interesting, is we said 2020 is going to be... The year us. where we start to see the cracks. Yeah, 2020 is going to be a season. Things are going to happen. 2021's the big year. New regulations. Bigger players getting out of the game. What I think we've seen now is, like, some of that change could very realistically happen in 2020. And 2020 is more likely than ever to leave big question marks for 2021. But it's one day of testing. We've had literally, like, less than, like, a minuscule number of laps in so far. So who knows? Ferrari could be great. Ferrari could actually be hiding the playbook. I don't think that they would. Because if I was Ferrari, what I'm saying is I want to show up and kick everybody's asses in testing to get people talking about us and worried about us before Australia, where they traditionally are meh. Is Australia always the first one? Yes. Uh, it'll hold particular significance, I think, this year because of the bushfires. Is that um, that's still going on, right? Well, I... It's I, I understand it's contained, but there, there's still, like, fires on the continent of Australia right now. Um, but not enough. They were worried that, like, maybe air quality or that, like, the area, I think it's in Melbourne, would be, like, legitimately damaged. That hasn't happened. They're still running it, unlike the Chinese Grand Prix, which is just <laughs> not happening um, because of coronavirus. So what might occur is you might end up with the San Marino Grand Prix coming back, which would be wild because the San Marino Grand Prix was a thing a long time ago at like Circuit de San Marino, mama, mama. And they used to like, you know, um, have a full race there back when the cars were like not at all like they are now. So what you'd be doing is taking a track built for a minute ago and putting newer cars on it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be, like, faster lap times because, like, things change a lot, but, like, we honestly wouldn't know how the cars would react to that track. Drivers wouldn't have driven it before. Nobody would know what was going on. It would be mass panic. Do you think that's going to happen? It'd be dope. It would take a lot to convince the FIA, but the FIA also likes to make money, and, and race weekends are a good way to make money, and they've already got their teams 
like supplied through that time. Teams expect to be doing it, and it's also much cheaper to run European races than it is ones overseas or across continents like China. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that it's not unlikely. I think that if they decide they're not going to have China, they're going to at least seriously consider it. The other thing is that China might get like slotted in like towards the end of the season yes. right before Abu Dhabi. Because when does the season end? Like September or something, right? Yeah. That's the podcast, folks.